Welcome back, everyone, to the Bullhorns and Bullseyes podcast. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Tom Nixon. I'd like to first welcome back my co-host, Mr. Curtis Hayes of Kaleidoscope. Curtis, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Tom. Great to be with you again. Yeah, we are back with part two of our uh, uh, multi-segment interview with none other than Mario Dequila, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Assisted Living Services. Let's welcome Mario back. Mario, how you been? Hey, how are you, Tom? How are you, Curtis? Doing great. Awesome. Great. Well, it's good to have you both back and uh, excited to kind of pick up where we left off. Um, just refresh everyone's memory. We were uh, in the previous episode, we got to the point where things were kind of starting to click relative to your marketing efforts and you were discovered some new things. Um, some of it was trial and error, but there was a cliffhanger at the end of the last episode, which was something you said, Mario, you said, Things really started to click when you realized that you needed a CRM. I guess we should explain that a CRM, for those who don't know, is a customer relationship management software. So uh, this is sort of like an inflection point. So why don't we start there, Mario? You realize you need a CRM. What happened and where did you go? Yeah, it's, um, you know, as reflecting kind of back, it's, it's interesting to, to view what we did and what we do now. Um, but pretty much I realized that we had all this customer data that we were using, um, what we call as customer info sheets, right? Where a customer would call in and inquire about the services. And I think I alluded to it before. We had a stack of these, uh, you know, customer intake sheets, um, on everybody's desk. And at the end of the month, we would just collect them. Right. And we'd say, you know, Hey, how many of these? became customers, right? Um, sort of a archaic, terribly uh, inefficient system, right? And, you know, it dawned on me that, geez, there's no centralized point where or system or database that we can say, gee, you know, a lot of our referrals are coming from the web, or a lot of our referrals are coming from you know, nursing homes or assisted living facilities or doctor's offices. We just had these stacks of sheets, right, with um, data on them, but no compilation of that data. Um, so so we actually put together a, you know, kind of the next best thing at that time, which was just a good old fashioned Excel sheet, right, mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, tallies and whatnot on it, uh, which, it, you know, it did an okay job. Um, Excel is great, but it's, just just not the right way to do it as you're growing leaps and bounds right so um browsing the online really i was like you know there's got to be a better way to keep tabs on customers i i didn't even know the term crm like it just wasn't wasn't a thing right it was just you know database for customers right <laughs> and you know i'm looking around and and really i click on this thing called salesforce right it was just like of course their adwords was like number one um, and right off the bat, like it said, you know, increase your sales by 25%, like Ooh. guaranteed something like that. You know, I'm like, all right, they tell me more, um, <laughs> so clicking around, um, of course we've all heard of Salesforce and even back then it was still a big system. It's even bigger now, of course. And I'm like, all right, 25%, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm crunching the numbers in my head and. And it made sense to me, you know, it's like we have no system now or a very old school system 
sure, if we have a system like this, 25%, I think is the minimum that we can increase our, our sales, you know, through our follow-up processes and whatnot. Um, so of course, you know, we reached out to the Salesforce rep, give it a shot. And, um, Salesforce, when you get it, you know, for those of you that, that have got it kind of comes as like a blank, you know, it has its blank template. It's like, here's the basic Salesforce, right? And we were really looking at it and said, you know, just, this is great, but it's just not us. Like it's not our, how we take a customer through the sales process, mm. you know? And, um, Actually, at that time, we started to, we, we were tuned into the fact that there were Salesforce, um, I think the term maybe is like integrators, uh, where they're, they're just companies that aren't Salesforce, but they integrate Salesforce with your company and they build the, the platform around your process, you know? So we reached out to um, an integrator, right? And we said, here's how our sales process looks, right? It doesn't look like, how Salesforce has it here. It looks vastly different. And Salesforce is so customizable. Um, it's not like very easy to do this, by the way. So that's why we had to have an integrator. Um, and they they built it around our sales process. Like, I mean, it looked exactly like what we were doing, but just nice and neat in a CRM. Um, and we began using it. We bought licenses for everybody and their mother. I mean, we're like, hey, guys, like this is Salesforce. You get a license now. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and that's where the expense just like went through the roof, by the way, um, because some people don't need it. Right. I think that's kind of important. And that's sort of our, um, ex, you know, our business experiment throughout the, the years. Right. Some people don't need certain software, um, but we got it for everybody. And right away what we what we in many companies run into is is the the issue of um compliance right so are the staff going to use this new thing right hey they're used to writing down on an intake sheet the customer's info are they going to not do that anymore and do this mm -hmm. and um the answer is no, like right away, they're, they're not, you know, there's going to be, you know, sort of your, the folks that work for you that are embrace change. And then there's the folks that don't embrace change as much. And they, you know, think it's more of a hindrance and why are we doing this type thing? Um, so really what we've done was we've, you know, there's the sort of the enforcement aspect, like, Hey guys, if, you didn't put it in Salesforce. It did not happen, right? We have that kind of motto. It's not in Salesforce. It didn't happen. Like uh, Pixar, it didn't happen, right? But this is Salesforce or it didn't happen. It, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, some, uh, you know, we would look in and go, gee, this person wasn't called. Oh, I called her. <laughs> Whoa. It's not in Salesforce. It didn't happen, you know? Right. And uh, sort of getting that motto around the company really got people um sort of attuned to the fact that this was the system now like it's not it's not um you know pen and paper anymore it, it is this this is the system and you know by actually benchmarking folks um performance with it helped too right it's not just oh this is the system it's yeah you're going to be measured 
with your um, performance on whether or not you use this system, right? Because we could track engagement and things like that, which was really cool. Um, so by and it it is not overnight. You know, I, I have to say it did take some time. People getting used to it. Even to this day, we're like, hey, set it Salesforce. Oh no, I didn't get around to it. We're like, do it. You know, right. you have it on your cell phone. Get get in there. You know. Well, I want to come back to that real quick because sure. I think that's such an important component to any kind of software integration. But I wanted to go and turn to Curtis and say, so what Mario's describing is one of the key elements to making any new integration of software process change work for you. But there's also the back end of tying the Salesforce into this marketing tool, which you've now spent time optimizing, and that's the website. Right. And a lot of times, believe it or not, I see companies kind of have Salesforce in a in a silo and they've, and they've got some sort of WordPress website in a silo and they're not talking to each other. So what are some of the early things that you would help someone like Mario do to make sure that there's not all of these broken chain links? Yep. So step number one for us is to integrate our forms with Salesforce. So we use Gravity Forms, probably the most widely used plugin for forms in WordPress. And uh, there's a Salesforce add-on. So we connect the Salesforce add-on, authenticate via API to their Salesforce instance. And then we map the fields in a contact form to Salesforce fields. And then we can bring that contact form in as a new record type. So in their case, it's a lead internally in Salesforce. I think Mario, you guys call it an inquiry, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but that's the right. the uh, the sort of standard term for that uh, in, in a standard Salesforce instance would be a new lead. So every form submission on the website, as Mario said, if it if it's not in Salesforce, it doesn't exist. So we can't send form submissions to, you know, a void. If they just go to an email address, we don't want to depend on that person to manually turn around and enter that into the CRM. So we want to pass that data. Um, and step number two is to pass that data along with tracking info that's tied to Google Analytics so that when Mario's team receives that lead, um, they can look at the contact record and see how that visitor maybe got to the website before filling out that form. Um, so we, we tie a cookie to the Google Analytics cookie that allows us to capture that data. Um, some marketers might be familiar with like UTMs, um, which are uh, tracking URLs. So if we were running a Facebook campaign or we're running a Google Ads campaign, those URL parameters are passed over. Uh, and then you can see that on the lead record. And then of course it allows us to then eventually get to reporting where we could run reporting to see how many leads did we get from specific marketing activities, what channels, what campaigns, um, and those types of things. So this goes back now to what you were saying, Mario, and I want you both maybe to comment on this. So this is sort of visibility meets accountability, because if you're not doing the things that Curtis describes, all of the accountability in the world is good, right? It's an enforcement compliance for Salesforce, but if you're not tracking the results and feeding that back, maybe this is start with you, Curtis, you feed that back into the marketing strategy, then it's just yes or no wins or losses, but you don't know why and you don't know what next and you don't know what to optimize. Is that right? Right. Yeah. So traditionally we would uh, report just simply based on what we would call a conversion, which would be a form submission with no visibility into what happens with that afterwards. 
So I might look at a specific campaign that has a high conversion rate, high number of conversions and say that that campaign is performing well. If you don't look at the underlying uh, information within that form, who that actual person is, where the actual value lies, um, you're missing a big part of the picture. Uh, these could either be spam submissions or they could be real people, but aren't a good fit for assisted living services. Um, uh, you know, wh whether that's based off location and, uh, you know, we're getting form fills because we're advertising in a location where we can't service currently, um, you know, or it's the wrong service type or something like that, that's going to feed us information uh, that will allow us to determine what we want to change within our campaigns. And it would also, though, I remember from the last episode, something you said, Mario, so uh, uh, before you had a system like this, um, an inquiry may come in and maybe it's the right candidate, but it's not the right fit right now. And in the old system, that person would just live in a stack of paper somewhere. But now going back to the 25% return on investment or sales increase that Salesforce promised, you could start seeing now that, well, we can reach out to these inquiries that might not be customers today, but in the future, will be so how are you taking the data that like curtis might feed back to you and then feeding it back into your business development or sales efforts yeah so when the inquiry um, comes in now it comes in as what's in the new status and one of our representatives from our company it is usually intake or sales goes and looks at that um, makes an initial contact with the customer and then like you alluded to, if they're not interested right now, that that uh, lead stays in what's called the working status, right? And and people that are working, we're working on them, right? Mm -hmm. um, stay in that status until they move along the sales process, right? So we frequently do um, follow-ups with these folks, right? We are able to see when the last time that they were called was, we're able to set tasks, which is amazing with Salesforce, because if you can imagine this, getting 10 leads a day, right? Just use a number like that. 10 leads a day, and I'm talking every single day. How many is that in a year? 3,650, right? Is my math off or, or am I right about there, right? You know, over 3,000, right? So for a salesperson to uh, remember oh, I called that person last week or I called them three weeks ago. I need to call them again. It's asking too much, right? With Salesforce, you're able to set tasks to say, call this person today, call them again in two weeks. And it'll sync up with your Outlook calendar and it'll allow you to um, be reminded to call that person, right? And to follow up with that lead. Um, because as you know, I mean, that really the, the gold is in the follow-up. I mean, some of the customers, yeah, hey, they're not ready right now, but in two, three weeks, even a year from now, they will be ready. And those really are the ones that I think Salesforce is talking about when they say, yeah, you're missing on a 25% of your, your revenue right there, um, not having this type of system. Um, so once we put that in place, the system remembers for you. You don't have to remember that you didn't call that person you know, a year ago or a year and a half ago. Um, it'll let you know, hey, when was the last time you talked to this person, right? This lead or this referral source. It's really great. 
Yeah. And so, um, well, can you give, give us any sense without revealing numbers, just the sort of mathematical impact that once you had this in full swing, the, the impact that you saw, right? Was it X percent increase? Was it a higher close rate? Anything at all? Yeah, I can tell you that um, in the three years since we implemented it, by the way, I'm not attributing this specifically to Salesforce, but it, it definitely plays a big part. We had a, well, we we were actually able to submit and win um, a nomination and, and were posted on the Inc. 5000. I mean, just for that. And I think the, oh boy, I think it was an 80, I think it was an 80 something percent increase in revenue to wow. be honest with you, throughout the, that time. Um, I can kind of fact check that because it was a, quite a long time ago. But um, significant, so, right? To yeah. the point where it's like, I mean, we're not talking 10% growth. We're talking on the order of seven, eight, nine x which is absolutely crazy and i should by the way i should point out that we are not affiliate marketers for right. salesforce this just happens to be the tool that mario chose and it's a good one but there's others out there curtis the more important thing i think is that you do have something in place but right. then also going back to what you learn from the data and how you act on it um, at some point you're probably getting a better understanding of which types of messaging resonates so are you feeding that intel back into how we might present the website or how we're deploying advertising out into the space yeah so uh, let me first say um there are lots of crms out there and we work with lots of different customers with different crms in mario's specific case salesforce worked for for a couple of i just mentioned quick reasons one the customization which a lot is what he's talked about but in their industry there's a lot of maybe what you call like practice management uh platforms out there um, but some of those limit you because they're not as customizable. You know, you mm -hmm. sort of buy the software, even though it might be web-based and those types of things, but the customization that you could do, the marketing integration that you can do and different things sometimes is limited. Mm -hmm. um, and so you just have to take a look at where your business is at, what you can afford from a budgetary perspective. When you step into something, you know, the lessons are really, you know, learn that tool and implement it. Uh, across the organization, building new processes, new procedures, properly training individuals, and it will start to work for you and you can evolve your business. So um, on the second question, as far as uh, marketing goes um, and messaging, that, you know, that was something that we discovered was something that we wanted to start working on with assisted living services. So um, you know, over time and uh, learning from the campaigns um, and uh, determining how we wanted to evolve the business, one of the things that we felt we needed to do was have some brand messaging that we could go to market with. Uh, now that we had some measurement in place, we could start to do some different A-B testing and those types of things, you know, um, what do we test and how do we test it? We really needed to have a, a messaging set of guidelines uh, to make sure that we were always on brand with everything that we were saying, but still allowing us to do some testing. And uh, so, so that's really where we engaged another associate to take Mario, um, his brothers, parents, and other leadership through an exercise to really get at the core of 
you know, the history of assisted living services. What are you guys all about? What makes you guys unique in the marketplace? And what are some statements that we could we could put out there in both the website as well as our advertising? Yeah, Mario, I remember you speaking fondly of that process, being interviewed, something I think you had never undergone, where a third party comes in and starts to ask some of what we call the why questions. Why you? Why not somebody else? Why do you exist? Why should somebody come to you? And so talk a little, little bit about that process and what you got out of it. Yeah, it it was um it was interesting to be honest with you. It, you know, it, it sort of evoked some some emotion. I mean, to be honest with you, it's like why why is your business, you know, the way it is? How did you get into it? Um, and it was sort of like this collective of all the leaders of our company that kind of answered these questions. And, you know, I mean, it was a thorough exercise. I mean, quite literally getting into the, not just the the business aspect, but the the psyche of the, the mission and, and, you know, everything that we stood for. And what, was created was something that was, um, I mean, you know, quite thought provoking, to be honest with you, we, we were listening to her, you know, after she did this kind of search, right, searching our, our soul, if you will, of our, our company, she put it all on paper in a way that we hadn't done before, right? I mean, um, you know, she's a marketing professional, right? So she, she sees this in a different uh, light than we do. And put it all out in sort of these, um, she sort of wrote this just narrative, right, about who our customer is and who we are. And it was like, wow, that is us. And I'm, I'm so happy that you were able to, to compile that into something that we sort of had a blind spot for. Um, and with that, we were able to create sort of this persona, right, on who we are and who our who are um, ideal customer is right because you know if you try to serve all customers mm -hmm. not just the ideal customer oftentimes companies you know sort of have an aimless direction right you know listen the iphone is not for everyone right it just isn't i'm, a, I'm an android guy they're not <laughs> trying to get me they're trying to get a target customer who who isn't me right <laughs> And it's like that with home care, right? You can have different um, uh, demographics and different, um, you know, types of folks that 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 you do uh, market to, just dependent on what the needs are. Um, and this marketing professional that we we uh, kind of hired through through Curtis's group um, was able to kind of put that in a nice package, right? That we were able to help create content around, which and is. I um, invaluable. Yeah, I think that's where the magic happens. So it's like, I call it the 3M formula. So if you have the right message, which you need, the right mechanics, which are all the things that go into your marketing machine and business development and sales and all of that that ties together in the way that Curtis has described, and then you have the right metrics because you need to be measuring the right things. And then you need to be reporting them honestly and openly, both you know from the marketing team into sales and from the sales team out into marketing, uh, which we will come back to. But I just wanted to shift gears, if you guys don't mind, onto something else that's, I think, top of mind, has been for a long time. I get I would get this question a lot dating back even five years, and I bet we'll only get more of it now that we're living in the age of artificial intelligence. And that is you decided to go down the road of a chat bot on your website. 
because now you've got the CRM in place, you've got this website with great messaging, and I'm guessing, Mari, you wanted to sort of facilitate the dialogue between a visitor to the website and then you as a brand and ultimately to your business development team. Is that right? How did that come about and how did you get it in place? Yeah, that that actually was based on um, my online kind of experience, you know, ha having experiences on websites sites and web stores and things like that. And I, I think I was just browsing, you know, buying something online or, or just browsing a site and a chatbot popped up and how can I help you? Hey, you know, wh what were some of the questions you had about our product, this, that, and the other thing. And as I was interacting with this chatbot on this site, I'm like, wow, <laughs> why don't we have one of these? You know, these people that and by the way, this was at night, you know, I'm, I'm interacting with this chatbot at 10, 10 PM. I'm thinking there must be customers for our services online right now, wanting to talk to someone, right? If I'm interacting with this chatbot for this product or this company, there must be at least one person wondering about home care, not getting the answers from our website right now that that they just have a question how much do you charge how much is you know do you service this area you know what if mom's on medicaid you know some of these questions that they're not getting an answer right now and i'm going whoa we're missing out right we're we're missing out this person probably needs needs something and so that's where i said hey curtis um you know there's another way to capture leads that I think that we can look for, right? And it's not just um, the gravity forms, right? Which is awesome, right? Hey, you you fill out this gravity form, tomorrow we'll call you. Well, today I want an answer, right? <laughs> that That's what I was thinking. I'm like, these customers, just like me, online shopping at night at 10, want an answer right now. They don't, don't want to wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow's, I got to get the kids on the bus. I got to drive to school, uh, to drive to work. I got to do this and that, and and I don't have time to 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 get that call tomorrow. I have I have the time right now at ten, and uh, so it led to me asking this question: Can we can we implement one of these chatbots on our 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 site? And of course, Cur Curtis is great. I mean, the the answer is yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, you know, great. More leads, a, a way to capture these leads is is what we're gonna do. But whoa, like these chatbots. And I'm sure now they're awesome with AI, but when we implemented it, it's like you have to anticipate the the conversation that the customer may have, and it has to um, you have to come up with the answers preliminarily, right, Curtis? I mean, we had to yeah. go, you know, if a customer says, "Hey, I'm interested in home care," what's the next question your chatbot needs to ask? Oh, great. Where do you live? Right. And then when they click, where do you live? What's the next question? Is mom on Medicaid or how old is mom or dad? Or, and so you're anticipating these questions along the way and leading hopefully to the answer that the customer needs. So Curtis, what was it like back then? And I'm curious if anything's evolved now that is worth adding to the conversation. What were some of those limitations that Mario describes? Yeah, so well, we started first with a third-party tool, which maybe gave a little bit more functionality um, in sort of the decision trees and maybe a little bit of the AI. But a lot of that we were having to, you know, work with the assisted living services team to build out. Um, and 
we were dealing with two very different audiences because we were also helping HR do recruiting. So now the bot has to not only be prepared, really the first question was, are you looking for services or are you looking for employment? And then based on that question, you know, the, the decision tree or, you know, question and answer tree branched out from there. Um, so we, we did eventually switch to using the, the Salesforce chat bot. Um, and having that all directly integrated with Salesforce instead of using a third-party tool. Um, and, you know, I, I would say that the chat bot was, was decent. I think it definitely answered questions for users. I think we definitely got, you know, some leads through it. Um, but I recall sitting on one of our monthly check-in calls with Mario and the team and them saying, you know, over the last year since we've had this bot in place, our phone calls are a lot less. Hmm. And when we get somebody on the phone, we're a lot more likely to close that person because if we're not talking to them, they're going to pick up the phone and call a competitor. And whoever hmm. usually is talking to that person live first is usually the person that's going to get the business. Interesting. So we ran an experiment, said, well, let's let's see if that hypothesis is true. Let's just turn off the chat bot and see if the phone call volume increases. And we did that. And sure enough, phone calls, the phone, you know, during the day, primarily started ringing again. And I remember, too, that Mario, that the value in the phone calls, too, because we even looked, you know, over the weekends because you have your nights and weekends where you don't have somebody by the phone and that's where the form and the chat bot do potentially come into play. But I think I remember Mario, you guys even instituting some people who were like sort of on call because you knew how valuable on the weekends those calls could be. That if you got somebody on a Saturday and you could you could talk to them, there was a really good chance that you were gonna turn them into a customer. That's exactly right. Um, and that's where implementing other things, you know, the, the the chatbot did a good job until we said, wow, we can do better during these other times doing these things by employing, um, you know, a third party answering service even, right? Where it's like, you, can't, it's us. I mean, they answer, hey, assisted living services, how can I help you? And what they'll do is they'll triage that call and get you right to a sales rep, like an our sales rep, right, if needed. Um, something that a chatbot can't do, right? And, um, you know, so it was all about experimentation, honestly. I, and I I think that uh, one, one thing was pretty funny too. I was browsing our site on my, my phone, my smartphone. And uh, I'm trying to like get, you know, I'm trying to navigate on this page to actually like see something important that I had to potentially change. And this chatbot pops up and I'm like, okay, I can't get around. Like the chatbot was in my face and I couldn't get around it. And I'm like trying to exit out and it's asking me, how can I help you? And this and that. And I'm going, I just need the number. Like I, I just need to get <laughs> our number. I want to see if it's right or wrong or something wrong. And I couldn't get around this thing. And I'm going, how many people are looking at our site right you know a week on on a mobile device that they, this thing's popping up and they just need our phone number 
or they just need, you know, a piece of information. It's like, uh, like Clippy from the old Microsoft program, right? I'm yeah. dating myself. Yeah, he's right away, right? <laughs> he's I see right you're trying to hire a assisted living. <laughs> Can I help? You, you know, uh, and the things, the things in the way, and you know, and and I'm like the the, I'm like, uh oh, this is a bad experience for me right now on my own website, and I'm like thinking customers might also be having this experience yeah so we tailored it to pop up at certain times you know hey if you're browsing the site and after x amount of time it's going to pop up it's not going to pop up right away or it's going to pop up on these specific pages that garner more explanation right Mm -hmm. we did a lot of a b testing curtis i know um but it's all through this experimentation that you know, it, it, you wouldn't kind of run into this until you experience it, you know, and um, myself experiencing it on my own, my phone, I'm like, wow, I, you know, this is, uh, this is a problem, you know, so we fixed it right away. Um, and it, we, again, we further honed in on perfecting the sales process. Score one for the human race, I would say. So we're, we can still do some things better than artificial intelligence. Last question for me, guys, because um, maybe I'll start with you, Curtis, unless you want to defer back to Mario. So we talked about how you were taking this intelligence and baking it into the website and updating the messaging and the branding and all of that stuff. What were some of the things that now that you have your CRM in place and you've got your tracking in place and your metrics and your your mutual accountability reporting meetings that I know that you have um, with Mario's team, um, which we'll come back to in episode three. But for this, so now that you have all of this and the mechanics are in place, you've got the metrics in place. What were some of the tactics then that you started to roll out that were influenced by the data, whether it was social media or content you were creating? What Do you remember some of this early sort of, again, trial and error approach to see what was going to work and what wouldn't work? Um, yeah. So some of the things that we definitely discussed, uh, Mario just mentioned having the chatbot on certain pages, uh, putting forms on pages um, directly on the page or having a button that took you to a contact form, um, placement of different buttons, especially on mobile, you know, having them available up in the header. Certainly when we learned we needed to drive phone calls, making sure that the phone phone number was easily visible on mobile, clickable, trackable, um, all of that became really important. Um, there's been recently, I'd say in the last year, a lot that we've learned from the data and what's happening with the offline sales and conversion data that's allowed us to make a lot of changes within our campaigns. Um, Because we know that campaign source and we now know it not only on forms, but on phone calls. And I think we'll have a future conversation about how we're doing that and tracking the phone calls and the the source of a visitor from a phone call. Mm -hmm. But really our optimization now, because what we started three years ago was basically taking a spreadsheet and we'd enter all of our marketing data into that spreadsheet. Mario would come in and he'd enter a Salesforce data. And then we could track quarter by quarter what's happening within the marketing and sales kind of pipeline. And we set some goals. Mar- Mario came to us and said, look, like this is a lifetime value of a customer. This is what we need to be from a profitability perspective. Where can we get 
and how do we get to these numbers that we'd like to be at? So we started measuring that. We certainly weren't there in the beginning. We set some aspirational goals. And so all of our conversations really centered around that spreadsheet. Every month uh, when we have a call, that spreadsheet comes up, we review the numbers. And then from there, if there's a story that started starting to uh, reveal itself, then we, we, we open up AdWords, we open up some of the other dashboards that we have, and we really start to dig out, dig into that and say, yeah, do we want to make some changes to our budget? Do we want to pause this campaign for, for now? Do we want to uh, shift budget from this campaign to another campaign here? Um, and that's got us to really the, the, some of the best, I would say, return on ad spend that we've ever seen. So yeah, Mario, Mario what, what could you add to that? Well, I was going to ask Mario specifically about yeah. um, the experimentation with social media and one of the discoveries you made that was maybe a surprise in terms of how to best use social media or what social media could be best used for in your case, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that initially, again, we're, we're looking at all of these things as marketing pillars, right? You have the website, you have PR, we had TV commercials, radio ads, this, that, and the other thing. And then we're like, okay, well, social media. I mean, that's kind of the most obvious one, right? Mm -hmm. um, and really one of the more cost-effective uh, marketing mediums as well. So initially we thought, let's do this as sort of like a branding effort. Like, you know, not, not many calls to action. Like, um, hey, if you need home care, click here. It was more just branding, right? Providing maybe um, some content around, um, you know, sort of like one page PDFs people can click on and things like that, um, as well as um, job ads and things, right? So we're in a sort of a unique um, industry where we need staff as much, if not more, than we need customers, right? So we were doing both on social media. And what we found was that we, and, and we were able to see this through the integration of Salesforce, that driving um, customers or potential customers through uh, social media really wasn't as fruitful as we thought it was going to be. We, we, we were dedicating actually a, a significant um, amount of, of our budget to social media for brand recognition for customers. But what we were noticing was that more of these leads were not customers. They were uh, folks that wanted to be hired for employment. And what we had said uh, through sort of analyzing that data was, let's only focus our social media efforts on recruiting. You know, since the only people that are clicking on these brand uh, awareness uh, campaigns are potential employees let's just dedicate it towards recruitment um, and in doing so um, we were able to get many more leads not customer leads but staff leads right where they're equally as important in the yeah. the, uh, the home care space um, so we we found that and and particularly the folks that are using the social media are in the age group that we were looking to hire, right? Um, and uh, and it was easy to get a vast outreach um, relatively inexpensively, right? Through social media and specifically Facebook, to be honest with you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we will have to leave it right there, gentlemen. Um, this is where I tee up our cliffhanger because what we're going to talk about in the next episode, I think, is the holy grail, if you will, of successful marketing and business development. That is the um, solving the frequently disconnected chasm between the sales efforts, the marketing efforts, and the bank account. So any final words of wisdom that you want to part with, gentlemen? Well, I could say that... Um we're we're actually living right now in uh in between this gap between sales and marketing we're, we're experiencing it now um and you know to to connect the two is really the silver bullet here and i think that that that's an interesting thing to explore and i recommend uh everybody really looks at that because you can get all the leads in the world you could spend millions of dollars in marketing and if you're not closing the sale you're wasting your money now that's a cliffhanger all right thank you mario curtis yeah don't forget to take that step yeah i mean dig in look at it you know don't don't be afraid to uh to go that extra level of detail when you're looking at that data and we'll talk about exactly how to do that on the next episode of bullhorns and bullseyes thanks guys